Hello everyone and welcome back to That's Lame, the equestrian podcast for horse girls from horse girls. Hello everyone. So Miss Evelina, how are you doing today? Not too bad actually. How are you? I'm quite tired, but not for any particular reason. That's really shocking. (laughs) I know, I'm always tired. I feel like though this week we've had a really quiet week. Yeah. In contrast to the last few weeks, which have been quite full on. It's a bit of a come down, isn't it? It's a come down, but it is nice as well. Yeah, it's needed, but I feel like that's why we might be feeling a bit tired, because like our body's like resetting. Yeah, 100%. It also wasn't ideal today as well that at about half four, I went to bring a horse in and because they were like galloping about and it turns out they broke through all the electric fencing. (laughs) So I had to go down and fix all of that in the wind. And I was on my own, so it was, like, blowing all over the place. Yeah. And you know when it's, like, at half four and you're, like, I'm wrapping up? Uh, Yeah, yeah. This isn't on my agenda. The show's about to finish. It's finishing. Yeah. (laughs) How about everyone, like, leaving your designated areas? Yeah, stay in your box. Yeah. So that was annoying. I was like, should I just pretend that didn't happen? And I was like, no, I need to. No. Uh, What else has been lame and sound in your week? I mean, bar today, the weather's been amazing. Hasn't it? Ooh. It's been perfect. Sunny, blue skies, green grass. Yeah. Slight chill in the air, which is perfect for horses. Yeah, absolutely. Like, because it's just, you can still work the horses as normal because it's not too hot yet. So that's been like a real... The flies aren't out yet either. No, oh, don't say that. Don't They'll say be it. flying yeah. in as we speak. <laughs> Do you know, every winter, because apparently, do you know, fun fact of the day, Horse flies hibernate underground during the winter, potentially. As well. I thought they all just shriveled up and died when no, the because, winter came. Because they keep coming back. So, do you mean do they like lay eggs in the ground? Do you mean and then they hatch? I mean, do you, know, you can't have like forty-year-old horse flies. I'm not a scientist. I living know. in the ground. But I always wanted to find these nests and kill them all in the winter, so that. In the summer, they just wouldn't come back. Yeah, horse flies are the worst. But I, I only remember that in the summer, not in the winter, but also I can't go around every hedgerow digging for potential horse fly nests. When do they come out, usually? I I don't remember each year, they just suddenly appear. Sometimes, where we live, we have a lot of deer around us and we get deer flies. Which are even worse. They're like horse flies on crack. The type that, you know, like if you slap them They're on the like horse. the size of like a newborn baby <laughs> with wings. If you slap them on the horse, you actually have to like crush them in your hand and sometimes they fight back. You can literally feel them like trying to open your hand. They're that big. I remember I once caught a horse fly just in midair with my fingers. You know, oh like a God. like a Barack Obama moment. Have you seen that video where Barack Obama catches a fly during a speech? I thought you were going to go for Spider-Man, but okay, you can do Barack. <laughs> Spider-Man Barack. 2, Tobey Maguire... Peter Parker, he can be thrown in there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I caught one, like, in the air. Wow. And I was just holding it and, like, crushed it to death. Okay. Yeah, the you know, like, your inner anger comes out. It's the down. only animal that I can kill with no Oh, yeah, remorse. I have absolutely no qualms about killing horse flies. Everything else, I'm like, even spiders, I'm like... Yeah, even, even other insects, I'm a bit like, oh, no. Horse flies and mosquitoes, actually. Yeah. It's like, Bye. Yeah, no, also they greatly outnumber us. Mm. So, you know, I don't mind like... Oh, yeah, if there's an apocalypse, they're they're surviving. Anyway, tangent. What's lame and sound? So your your sound is that it's sunny. It's good weather. 
What's your lame? I'm not sure, actually. I mean, the fencing situation that I just spoke about, that was, like, a lame moment today. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like, things are as they normally are. One thing I would say, actually, is since bringing Terry back into work from his abscesses, I've been in this, like, state of limbo without even realising because it's, like, sort of a month has passed where we were like, what's wrong, you know, what's going on, and then bringing him back into work. And now I'm like, God, I actually really need to plan, like, my next month because, like, regionals are sort of actually just round the corner. Like, they're a couple months away, the start of them at least. But, yeah, I'm sort of like, oh, probably should think about what I'm actually doing. I think sometimes it's so easy to get caught up in, like, just getting through each day on the yard and doing the things, you know, daily that you forget actually about, like, future, long-term Yeah, I don't know if other people feel like this, but I get so, like, stuck in the yard. Yeah, like, routine. Yeah, and I love it. I go home and it's like, now I'm resting, and then I wake up again, then it's yard time, and it's like you don't do anything outside of that. Literally, sometimes when, you know, you're working really long hours on the yard, I'm like, right, okay, I've got four hours now to rest before I need to go to sleep. Yeah. And I'm like, must rest, must rest. And then I'm like, oh, my God, I have to just repeat the entire process tomorrow. But at the same time, I really enjoy it, and at the moment... I'm not noticing the weeks going past. I'm just living in the moment. It's lovely. That's very poetic of me. What's been your lame and sound? Again, like nothing really. Like nothing's gone well, nothing's gone bad. I'm just like content. Yeah, I'm just here. That's not a bad place to be though. No, no, I'm enjoying it. Lovely. Lovely. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> Whoop de doo. Yeah. <laughs> So, dilemma number one is stemming from last week's episode where we talk about how to find the right horse. We're going to talk about do's and don'ts of trying horses. Yeah, so literally just the day of the trial. Yeah, so you've you found your potential right horse and now you're going for a viewing. Do's and don'ts. What do you think you should do first? Okay, do. so same principle as what you spoke about last week. It's the same as dating. You want to look for your red flag you want to look for your green flags so you've gone out for dinner and it's a first date basis red flags to look for is that they are already (laughs) (laughs) they're dressed before you (laughs) i was gonna say that but then i was like that's wrong yeah because i would say a red flag for me number one of trying a horse is if they're already tacked up when you get there yeah that's a huge red flag because also you want to see how they are to tack up how they are to like bring out of the stable. You also might want to just visually inspect them, you know, run your hands around their body, look for any marks. When they're tacked up like a saddle and boots and all of that and a bridle, it can hide quite a lot. Yeah. And plus it's, why have you already tacked them up before I've got here? Like, How long has this horse been tacked up Yeah, like if I turned up and they were already tacked up, I'd be thinking... Do they have ulcers so they go to like, you know, put their ears back when you do the girth up? Or are they cold back so they need the saddle on for like an hour before you get on? You know, like all those different things would be running. Have they already been ridden? Yeah, it's that is a huge red flag. Yeah, huge red flag. Also, I would say this is potentially helpful for people who are selling their horses, things that you don't want to be doing. Yeah, because I was speaking to somebody actually about this and it was really funny because she said that once she like got a horse ready and worked it in for somebody to come and try the horse, but not because the horse was like dodgy, but just like that's what how that's what they did. That's so weird. I know because you'd just be like, but why? Yeah. It's not just about how the horse is in the school, it's everything else for a lot of people, isn't it? How they are to handle and how they are on the ground. 
Okay, so you enter the first viewing. One, if the tack is on, question why it's on. Yeah, don't just I like run off. Yeah, and obviously be polite, <laughs> but just be like, you know, how come you have tacked the horse up? The thing is, I wouldn't even accept that. I'd be like, oh, would you mind unpacking him? Would you do that? Yeah. If okay. I turned up with a client and the horse is already tacked up, because if you just say, oh, how come you've tacked him up? They'll make up some excuse. Yeah. So for me, I'd be like, no, untack the horse. I want to see him trotted up walked around i want to run my hands around and then you can tack him up again yeah also remember you are the buyer so you know you can kind of set what you want within reason yeah like you're in you control know. really i mean you don't want to be going in there all guns blazing being rude for no reason but in the same breath it's perfectly within your right to be like i want to see xyz and if they say no that's a bit shady yeah so i would say when you turn up to go and view a horse you want to see the horse without hack without boots preferably just in a head collar or a bridle you know depending on age of the horse or whatnot and then you want to see the horse handled and ask them before you ride the horse to walk and trot them up mm-hmm. now red flags to look out here is i've been to view horses with clients and the seller has gone oh yeah would you like to trot him up to see how he handles and i was like no i Mm. want you to trot him up because i want to check that the horse isn't lame yeah you know obviously i didn't say it like that but i was like no you do it and obviously it was because the horse was lame and it was really dodgy as well because it was like a well-known seller and he just obviously saw that the client that I came with was a young girl and obviously I was a young girl so you know you kind of assume that you're an idiot and I was like no I want you to trot the horse up and he kind of looked a bit like oh and I think he was thinking that had I said yes to the girl trotting the horse up he could have been like oh yeah it's because she didn't trot him up very well but you know look how well behaved he is and anyway he trotted him up and I was like oh and then I was like can you like turn him on a circle and things like that I didn't think the horse was particularly very sound but the prospective buyer still wanted to go ahead with the riding and the trial of that but had it been me had it been like my horse I would have been like no I'm not interested now because I can see that the horse isn't correct yeah and also some people as well if they're about to trot a horse up they like sort of try and g them up just as they're about to trot off yeah and you can like look out for that another thing for instance when we went and brought Simba we brought him from abroad got him from Germany but we didn't go through a dealer which is what we've spoken about in the last podcast you want to be careful with agents that you use I say that with like inverted commas because you don't know what's going on behind the scenes there you don't really know what their relationship is with the yard and the horses whatnot so anyway we knew that you know we didn't want to fly out to Germany to try a horse and get there and the horse is lame so So we had them send us loads of videos of them trotting the horse up, lunging the horse on the hard, lunging the horse on the soft, getting a vet to do flexions with the horse before we even went out there. And we sent them all to our vet and we were like, do you think this horse is worth going to try? And he said yes. So that saved us like a whole trip. So if you're looking at a horse that's like the arse end of Scotland and you live in Devon, potentially just just get them to do that like a couple of days before you go up and try it. What else have you got? I would say bring somebody with you. Yeah. I would never go and try a horse on my own, you know, professional or otherwise. You should always just take someone else for an additional opinion and also for safety as well. And another thing I'd add is if you get to the ridden stage, so once you've seen the horse on the ground and seen them trot up and everything, get them to ride the horse before you don't just get on because you want to see potentially what you're dealing with and also how that person rides the horse as well i've had some friends be like oh yeah no i got there and i just thought oh the horse is fine i'll just get on and ride it myself and i was actually like you are so stupid you should not do that so dangerous yeah it really is even if you've seen multiple videos of this of like these horses and you think they're fine just 
get the normal rider to get on and ride the horse before you do. Yeah, and also some people are like, oh yeah, you know, it's just like a riding club thing. So like I just got on and it's like, it doesn't matter what type of horse it is or how well bred it is. Like some horses, they do have like various different issues and they can behave a certain way and just jumping on something you don't know is just like foolish in my I opinion. I think that is huge arrogance from Yeah, and it's just like ignorance. It's just like not being yeah. aware of like the potential threat that could happen. Yeah, I've known people that have fallen off. Oh, yeah. Yeah, same. I'd also say, do not be afraid to say, no, I'm not going on. Yeah, I was about to say that. Because if you get there and you don't like the vibes of the horse or you don't like how the horse is ridden, then you can say, no, you know, I'm I'm no longer interested in the horse and no, I don't want to get on a ride. Yeah, I feel like some people fall into the trap of either peer pressure, so they feel as though they don't want to waste the the seller's time so they think oh you know I'll just get on or they don't want to waste their own time and they're sort of thinking I've come all this way like I might as well just have a sit but if your gut is telling you no something doesn't seem right here I don't like the look of the horse just say no because you, you need to put yourself first yeah 100% also going back to when you said take someone with you take someone who you very much value and trust their opinion yeah preferably like your trainer or something I would say. I would say as a trainer, I've been told in the past that I cannot recommend you to buy a horse because if... So, okay, let's do a hypothetical situation. I'm your trainer, Evs, and we go and try a horse and I tell you, I think this is a great horse for you to buy, you should buy it. You buy the horse, a week later, throws you off and breaks your neck. And you go, you told me that horse was good to buy. I'm going to sue you now. That can happen. And I've heard of that happening. So as a trainer going to view a horse with a client, you have to be very impartial, which can be difficult. But I think that's something to bear in mind. But also I would say, listen to the person that you go with because I've been away to try horses with my mum and like my mum's clients and I've gotten on them ridden the horses and you know given my opinion and then I thought you know I don't think this horse is right but again because you have to stay slightly impartial it was quite difficult for me to get that across and as I was saying you know I don't particularly think this horse is right the perspective buyer got out and made an offer on the horse and I was like oh my god but you're not listening to me I don't think that horse is right and it turned out the horse wasn't right and I was like you know you you should have listened to me then I think sometimes buyers get these like mega rose tinted spectacles again the same as when you're dating a guy you go in there and you just see them you don't see all the things around them that mean that they aren't right for you you know yeah Definitely. What I was going to add as well is that I find it difficult with trying horses because when you ride them, you want to press different buttons to see how they react to like gauge their temperament and how genuine they are. But in the same breath, you don't want to get on a horse and ride it completely differently to how it's used to be ridden because that's not particularly fair. Yeah. I find that balance quite difficult to strike, but then I guess it's just based on feel as well. I don't particularly like when people just get on a horse they haven't ridden before and they're very much, this is how I ride, so this is how you're going to go. So I think as a prospective buyer, also be aware that you are trying someone else's horse. Because I remember once before I was a dressage rider and I did a bit of eventing and things like that I was selling a pony and this woman put her kid on him and basically whacked the fence up really high and this kid was just like coming at like such a sharp angle each time and just basically hammering her over the fence like really uncontrolled really tight sharp turns jabbing the mouth and I was just a bit like this isn't your horse like you have to respect that boundary yeah this isn't a joy ride yeah so I just thought I'd add that as well actually from a buyer's point of view be mindful that you know it's not your horse yet yeah <laughs> just do what you want but also again that balance of you can control the situation and ask for 
various different things. Yeah. Also, I would say if it's feasible, go and try them twice. Yeah. And also film. Film like as much as you can. If you've brought someone with you, film, film everything. everything. Yeah. You getting on the the other person riding them getting off leading them back to the stable film as much as you can yeah because sometimes you're so caught up in the moment and you're like chatting and having a nice time and then all of a sudden you get in the car and you're like i love the horse and then you're like wait actually i don't remember really anything that happened and also horses are so different day to day you know depending on the weather depending on the season that if it's within your means to go and try the horse twice I would definitely go and do that. Yeah, same. Because as well, it like you said, it might be that you go in and you're like, oh my God, I love this horse so much. And then the next time you're like, oh, actually, perhaps I was just in love with the idea of him. I wasn't actually in love with him. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I think sometimes when you're buying horses, you so want a horse that you end up almost seeing something that isn't there just because you desperately want it to work and happen. Yeah. I would also say be mindful of whatever you're buying. Don't think, oh, this is what it could be you know unless you're buying a really nice young horse yeah that you or something that's a bit of like a blank slate that yeah that hasn't done that much in yeah. your means to train but don't go buying like a middle-aged horse or a schoolmaster or something and thinking you can change it into something else because one that's not fair on you and two it's not fair on the horse because a horse that's lived its entire life doing one job you know in a certain way it's not going to be a quick fix to change it to do something else to suit you you need to buy a horse that suits you not change a horse to suit yourself yeah and bouncing on that i would say as well if you can't ride the horse when you try the horse i wouldn't really buy if if you're like oh my god this horse is so bouncy i can't ride its trot or you know it's canter you know hurts my left hip yeah if you haven't say if you're buying a dressage horse if you haven't walked trotted and cantered don't buy the horse. I went with um, somebody once who couldn't even trot the horse around the perimeter of the school and they still wanted to buy her. And I was just like, no, you know, I strongly said no. And they didn't in the end, which was the right decision. But I think, yeah, if you can't do the basics, because obviously you have to factor in that you've never ridden the horse before. So obviously you're not going to produce the same sort of image that potentially the seller's producing, or you don't know the exact age yet because the horse isn't schooled in a way that you're used to. But if you cannot slash aren't comfortable walk trotting and cantering, then that you just should not buy the horse. Yeah, definitely agree. I would just say enjoy it, appreciate it for what it is, see it at face value, listen to your friends advice watch all the videos do your background research on the seller good point and also try and be slightly impartial don't let it be emotion based agree buying a horse let it be factual head based yeah almost go in with the mindset that you're trying a horse for somebody else not you yeah so sort of like depersonalize yourself from the situation yeah and also don't be afraid to say this horse is too much for me yeah because i think that's a really key point yeah that's a really like decent thing to be able to do as well yeah. I've heard people before be like, yeah, no, it was just too much horse for me. And I was like, that's actually such like a strong, insightful thing yeah. to be able to say. And people yeah. that don't say that, people that are the other way, I just find like embarrassing, to be honest. Yeah, just, we just shake our it's heads. a bit of an egg, isn't it? <laughs> bit of an egg. <laughs> but yeah, uh, have fun with it. Best of luck. Best of luck, do's and don'ts of buying horses. Your horse is out there. He is out there or she is out there. Yeah. And you'll find them. Don't you worry. Moving swiftly on to Dilemma 2, says, 
Hey guys, I'm taking my horse away for a clinic for the first time soon. I've never taken him away for an overnight stay before and I'm nervous about what to pack. Have you got any recommendations for me? Thanks in advance. I would pack your horse. Point number one, <laughs> pack your horse. Point number two, pack some wine. How exciting though, to be taking your horse away for the first time. Isn't it? Taking your horse away for like a stay away show, it, it gives you like a different Sleep buzz. Over. Yeah, it's like going on holiday with your horse. Yeah, it's pretty wild, actually. Like, for me, I sort of just don't get stressed about it, number yeah, one. Just, just relax, like, pretend you're just, like, at home. Yeah. You know, you're boxing to a show. Oh, yep. Yeah. And you go in the stable, we're actually staying over. Don't make it, like, a big deal, because some people really fret, don't they? <gasps> he's never he's never been away yeah, he's before. Never, he's oh, never no. been away from home before. I don't know what he's going to be like. And I'm like, he had a home before your home? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like the same thing, but yeah. just a night. Like, don't get me wrong, it can be a big deal for certain horses. And sure, there are loads of horses out there with loads of quirks that would find that stressful. But we're talking about like the average. Like, I think on the whole, most horses are absolutely fine. Also, your from... horse will feed off you. A hundred percent. So if you are anxious and if you're going, oh my God, I don't think he's going to settle. He's... Obviously, he's not going to settle because your horse is going, why is that woman over there having a nervy breakdown? Yeah. Oh, and people that keep faffing as well. Like when you go to shows, they just don't leave their horse alone. And you're like, you've put them in the stable. They've got a bed. They've got hay. Yeah. They've got water. Give them some space. Yeah. Just you know? leave them be. Like they need to settle into their surroundings without you around. Yeah. Like stop being like a helicopter parent. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we have loads of and all the horses settle in really well, don't they? Yeah, we've never had one that hasn't settled. No. We've probably had like a hundred horses come in by now. Yeah, and in saying that, like with quirky horses, often they just carry their quirks from home to a different place. Yeah. So like if you've got a horse that weaves at home, then yeah, it's going to weave away from home as well. Yeah. That's no different. It but is anyway, it is. packing. Okay, yeah, packing. So I would write a checklist. Yeah, I love doing a checklist before yeah. a show. Oh, love it. I do it every time. You need to have a checklist of stuff that you need to bring for you, stuff that you need to bring for your horse. And maybe a dog. <laughs> I do like my dog as well. Yeah, maybe a dog. Uh, I do Eddie, Terry, Nelly, <laughs> like in three columns. <laughs> potentially any like vehicle necessities that you need, you know, yeah, like... Do. I didn't even think of that. Well, yeah, you know, if you're going away in a horse box or whatnot, you want to check that your oil and your water tank is all Petrol. full. Petrol, petrol's full, things like that. Then you want to think, okay... Do the lights work on your lorry? Does your lorry start if you haven't been out for a yeah. while? Have you got, like, RAC, like, cover, recovery, like, sorted? You know, just, just cover all bases so that should anything go wrong, you know that you're covered and you feel calm about the whole situation. Then I would say checklist for you... I mean, it's not rocket science, is it? Riding clothes, maybe like some leisure clothes. Spare pair of pants. Toiletries. I always take a medicine bag full of loads of different painkillers. <laughs> <laughs> She's like a walking pharmacy, she really is. I just think you should be prepared. Yeah. In my bag that I bring to work every day, I have God knows how many painkillers, but also I have things like strepsils and different things like that, because you just don't know. No. So that's a good antihistamines. Oh, hay fever season, pack your antihistamines. You don't want to be sneezing yeah. all over the shop. Yeah. I would also say, though, on the opposite side, if you are going away to like a clinic or a competition venue, I wouldn't go crazy OTT on a horse medical kit. Oh, no. Not, no, no, I was talking about a person. Yeah, yeah. For your own personal use, because, you know, like on a clinic situation, like we can't give our clients drugs and medicine. No. Stuff. But you if you're can't going really do that. to somebody else's yard, 
are, then they should have like the the relevant sort of yeah, health you and know, safety. If, you know, your horse cuts itself or whatever and needs a bandage on, I'm sure the place that you are at would have one that they That's could a valid provide. point, actually. I don't know anyone that packs like a horse health and safety kit. No, I know some people that literally go completely over the top really? and really like super panic if they haven't got, I don't even know what. I've never thought about that before. You know, all you really need, purple spray and a bandage. Yeah. Off you part. I don't even take that though. No, I mean, what is the also like? What's the point of taking like farrier tools to take a horse's shoe off? Because frankly, I don't know how to take a (laughs) horse's shoe off. But also, if you're going to a clinic, the yard will have it or should have it. Or if you're going to a show, you can often buy it there. Yeah, and also because the show will be equipped for how many people are turning up. You know, they might have a farrier on site, or there'll be a vet on call by. On call by, on standby, or you know, they they will be fully equipped for all of these things. So you really don't need to panic and worry about it. I would also say always take alcohol of some form or something that you can you know socialize with. Snacks, lots Bake of cakes. snacks. Cakes are an essential. Yeah, and for any stay away. They're good for socializing as well. Yeah, like if you've got a clinic with people you don't know, like being like, oh, I've got some, I've brought some cakes. We all have some cake together. It's like quite a good thing to break the ice. Yeah. Good icebreaker. Cake. Good wine. cake breaker. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny, Abby. <laughs> and, um, it's actually tragic that I just made that joke. Yeah. I'd also say try not to change your horse's routine too much. So, you know, if you feed them a certain thing at home, don't feel like you need to change their feed just because you're going away. Just keep it the same. Yeah. Agree. Things like that. Also, another thing I always notice major overpacking of hay. <laughs> or hay Yeah, we had a clinic where they just left like four bales of hay for I us. Know. I was like, nice. I'm like, Score. okay, before you start packing, work out how much hay your horse has a day. I'd rather have more than less though, I have to say. Yeah, but like you want to take like one extra hay net. Yeah, not I, like four extra bales of hay. I usually do what I would do how for how many days I'm there and then spare for if I break down. Yeah, that's literally that's all it. you need. Yeah. 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 Because you gotta think as well, you've got to empty your lorry the other side. And I do that with feed as well actually. I do I make up the feeds for however many yeah. days I'm there and then I might add two just in case. Yeah. I kind of miss going abroad when we'd be gone for like 10 days can't relate no i've been abro- i mean i've been abroad but not like for competing yeah because the amount of packing that goes into that it's insane but i used to love it we used to like literally fill the lorry up like it was tetris because also there'd be like four of us going with like three horses such fun but yeah i would just say most of it's just common sense yeah. and if you're struggling to think oh have i forgotten anything what i always do is i think about me getting ready when i'm there yeah. Do you do that? So, like, when I'm at a show, I'm like, I'd put his bridle on. Has it got the curb chain, his saddle, his numner? You know, like, yeah. I do it as though I'm there mentally in my head to sort of visualise what I need. I say it to myself. I, I recheck the lorry and I'm like, bridle with a girth. Um, I always check Bridle with a girth. <laughs> saddle with a girth. Bridle with a curb chain or a flash or, you know, whatever it is I that you've got. I always double check the curb chain. That yeah, always breaks I, yeah. me out. Always, always double check your curb chain. Yeah. It's easy to just fall off. Yeah. Same with a girth. Easy to just fall off I've unless had you've that got before. a cover on the saddle. I've turned up without a girth. Don't turn up without your buttons for your tailgate, please. (laughs) Yeah, and I would just say, actually, because I was thinking, oh, rugs as well. But obviously it depends on the season. But what I would say then is visualise what you're using at home the week leading up to wherever you're going and just take that and maybe spare things. Because I think sometimes you can go a bit insane with rugs as well, can't you? Oh, yeah, For instance, at the moment it's so warm that it's like, they're all in like fly sheets. So I would probably take like a fly rug, a cotton sheet, maybe a light stable rug. 
but and like but that would oh, probably be it bother, do i know but like some people are like yeah i'm gonna take my winter stable rug just in yeah, case it gets I'm a bit take cold the heavyweight turnout <laughs> yeah. just in case it's you know still winter there and it's, it's like, like no, it's july yeah what Calm rugs down. are you using the yeah. week leading up to it and just take those rugs you don't need to take your whole wardrobe no yeah enjoy it it's such fun going away makes me a bit jealous actually i want to go away somewhere yeah and just don't stress about it and if you forget something like talk to people around you they they'll have it like they'll have you covered yeah like, you know you go to things you're like oh i don't have any tack cleaning stuff or whatever someone will be like oh i do do you want to borrow mine like people are so kind and like and generous make friends true tack cleaning things i don't take tack cleaning I things do. anywhere well, i do to shows stay really? away show yeah because you clean your tack and then you ride them when you get there for general exercise and then i wipe it over again <laughs> I'm making lots of mistakes. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Evie, I have a question for you. Go on then. If you could date anyone within the equestrian industry, who would it be and why? Now, I think <laughs> I think you and I have got the same answer to this. Yeah, it's going to be embarrassing if we don't. I think I'm looking at you with my eyes, but yeah, okay. No, if, if we don't get this right, it's going to be <laughs> embarrassing. Okay, are you ready? One, two, three. Carl, Carl Hedden. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. He is the only one that is marriageable, isn't he? Yeah, Carl Hedden is just off the scale he's actually something else if you don't follow Carl Hedden on Instagram follow I highly him. recommend it follow him right now he's a Swedish dressage rider like he's just such a vibe isn't he I wouldn't say that he's like the most beautiful man like in the world but no. like there's just something about him you know those show jumping brothers they're not English oh I've got no idea what you're talking about there's two show jumping brothers from abroad and they're like absolutely stunning oh really like really really good no looking way. but also you know, sometimes good luck's just, it's not everything. No, with Carl Hedden, he's just a vibe in general. Like, he's, yeah. he's like, tanned, tall, quite lean, but it's his personality. Like, he's just so fun and, like, daring and, like... His personality shines through. Yeah, and the content that he, like, posts is really funny, like, of his dogs. And, like, his dogs just had a litter of puppies. And, like, he's often riding bareback with, like, a head collar on a beach, topless and, like, smiling yeah. and just, like, frolicking in the sea. <laughs> yeah, he takes his dressage horses out adventuring. He show and just, jumps like, as well now. I know. And like his captions are funny, like he's just a funny guy. Yeah. He is the moment. This podcast is in fact a Carl, Carl Hedden, Hedden fan account. Fan account. Yeah. yeah, it is actually. It's a bit embarrassing really. But if he's listening. <laughs> oh my god, if you're listening, please date I us. would up I would upstick. <laughs> <laughs> is that weird? You'd up, you'd walk? Up sticks, it means like I'd relocate. I thought you said I'd upstage. Uh, yeah, I'd upstage Carl Hedden. I don't I think, don't think so. you can. No. No. Imagine if we got him on as a guest. That would be so Crikey. funny. I'd be a bit embarrassed, though, based on what we've just said. Yeah, I would be a little bit... Uh, would I, I don't go red, though. Oh, my God. You'd go old, red. Our old physio actually went over and treated his horses. Oh, yeah, and she said they're like, the horses are all massive. Yeah. and he's also tall, though. And also she was like, I hate to say it, but he's literally just as nice in real life oh, as he God, is online. So and I was like, no. And she was like, he also smelled amazing. Swedish people like, are. No. <laughs> Swedish people are just really nice, though, aren't they? Yeah. They're very wholesome, like, earthy. Yeah. Seems like a very nice, like, country. I've never been to Sweden. No, neither. I'd love to go. Yeah. Carl. <laughs> We'd love to go. But yeah, that is, uh, that's so funny that we had the same answer. And his, his accent as well. Lucas. I know. I know you like that, don't Iris. you? Iris. 
I love his accent. He kind of has the same energy as Jude Law in yes, The Holiday. Yes, he does. Yeah. Uh, Jude Law in The Holiday is my death row meal. That doesn't make sense. It makes 100% sense. You told me your death row meal pudding would be a banoffee bar. Eh? <laughs> so what's changed? <laughs> I, I can't now even Jude believe Law. that. I'm not even into like banoffee bar. Eh? Yeah, but it's not your death no, row meal. No, I know, meal. but it's just because I'm not into it. I'm like, that's your last one. Yeah, because I'd be the prison guard. It. I'd be the prison guard, like, oh my banoffee pie, really. Well, I really, frankly, don't really care. Ooh. Oh my god, my saddle fitter, our saddle fitter, has left being a saddle fitter to follow her childhood dream. Yeah. Do you want to know what her childhood dream is? <laughs> I know what it is. Are you talking to the listeners? <laughs> yeah, I'm talking to the listeners. Can you say what the word is? Because I don't know what it is. An embalmer. And what is that? It's basically the person that gets the corpse ready and presentable for the funeral. How wild is that? So, like, the person that dresses them, like, washes them, dresses them, does their makeup. That's her childhood dream. That's wild. And I'm like, that could not be further from being a saddle fitter. I know. But also, like, it couldn't be further from what I ever would want to do. No. And I mean, apparently loads of people want to do it. I mean, it's a steady wait business. List. There's a wait list. Yeah, a wait list to be an embalmer. Yeah, but you have to do loads of tests to like make sure that you're not like a... Serial killer. I did Although, say to her... Jeffrey Dahmer probably wouldn't have killed as many people if he was allowed to be an embalmer. So maybe we okay. should actually put all the serial killers into that industry. I wouldn't want to be dressed by a serial killer, though. <laughs> oh, fair enough. But I wouldn't really have a choice for it. I'd be no, dead, so. exactly. But yeah, I, I was just like, wow, that is absolutely wild, isn't it? Yeah, that's probably... I've got a few jobs that I couldn't think would be worse for me to do. That's one of them. A chef is the other one. Not because I don't like cooking, but just like the intense. Okay, if you had to do one other job in the world, nothing to do with horses, what would it be? Like a counsellor probably or a therapist. Oh, okay. Because nice. <laughs> you, were, you were expecting something really fun. I know, I was, like, I was hoping you were going to say like astronaut or like No, because I did diver. a psychology degree. Okay. So like okay. that's what I've always wanted to do aside from this, okay. is be like a Fair therapist. Enough. Fair enough. What about you? I want to be a personal chef. Do you? What? Did, yeah, am I, and I just said, I said that it. I couldn't think of anything worse. Yeah. No, but a personal chef, not like a chef in a restaurant. That's true. That's they're very different actually, because very like a personal different. chef's more like meal plans and stuff, isn't it? Whereas yeah. a chef in a kitchen, I actually couldn't think of anything worse. It's meal plans. And getting to spend money on food that isn't your own money. Yeah, you're like a shopper and like a... Yeah. It's basically like just doing what everyone does at home on a daily basis, but for somebody else. But I really get a kick out of going to the grocery shop and yeah. getting groceries, bringing them back and making me out of it. It really just like itches something in my brain. I really enjoy it. So I think I'd do that. Oh, wow. So if I don't come back to the podcast, <laughs> it's because I'm a personal chef. I'd love that. Plot twist. I know. A major, major plot twist. But anyway, we've gone on such a tangent. I think maybe we should wrap Rap, it up. Rappity rap. Wrap it up. I cannot believe we've got to episode 17. Can you believe that? No, I can't. I really can't. No. That's... I don't like that we're on an odd number, though, actually. No, I know. It every makes time me twitch we do every it. other week. I'm yeah, like, yeah, it does. No. I'm really excited for next week, though, because 18's a good number, isn't it? 12 is my favourite number. I think I've said that before. Is it? I quite like 16. I like 8. I like even numbers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, even numbers. If we're driving, and luckily in my car it doesn't, but in your car it does, it's got the like volume numbers. If we're not on an even number, I'm literally like, ah! Yeah, but my car also has like roll-up windows. 
Yeah, but that's by the by. That's yeah. not an odd number and even number. It's like going back in time, stepping into my car. It's like an antique. <laughs> it's going to be on Antiques Roadshow in like five years. <laughs> Do you know, a friend of mine, her dream job is to host Antiques Roadshow. Really? Yeah. What, like Fiona Bruce? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she lives around here. Does she? Yeah. That's because we live here. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that. That, that's her dream job. Wow. And I'm dream like, big. I know. I was like, I can see you doing that. And again, I don't know how many people would want to do that. I don't like the Antiques Roadshow, really. No, it's the, the Antiques Roadshow is the sound of the weekend dying, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> it really is. It gives okay. me anxiety. We've gone on another tangent. Yeah. Let's wrap this podcast up. Thank you guys so, so much, much for, for listening. listening. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I say the same things every yeah. time. I say it mostly. I like it. Actually, I like the yeah. routine. Yeah, so do I. Okie dokie, guys. <laughs> you don't know what to say. <laughs> You've thrown me off. Yeah, thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for next week. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.